0: So, Berto, have you noticed in the news and in people talking that they sometimes will talk about everyone who's mentally ill is is going to commit a crime or violent crime or something? Have you ever encountered this, this notion in our society?
1: Oh, yes. I mean, ever since I can remember, uh, more so when I was – I mean, I noticed it even more when I was part of the problem, I guess, because growing up, even though my dad was a psychiatrist, even though I was around terminology and things, I think – just instinctually, everything on TV, movies, common conversation, if, if you hear the words like, oh, mentally unstable, mentally ill, uh, mentally, uh, challenged, uh, whatever, uh, there were these associations with like, uh oh, that could be bad news. Are they gonna stab someone? Are they gonna go crazy? Are they gonna commit, you know, are they gonna hit someone? Are they, um, and I think movies and shows, uh, like, show that a lot. Like, what kind of movies? Kind uh, of well, shows? like, I'm thinking of like crime shows or um, just uh, maybe I don't actually. Now that I think about it, maybe it was more a phenomenon like in the 80s and the 90s. But I, I remember uh, one perennial example was of Mice and Men. And I remember watching, reading the book and watching it in, in sophomore year of high school. And you know, Lenny was slow, and so of course he killed and it's like well that makes sense cuz he is mentally handicapped so of course he's probably super strong and can kill easily and doesn't know his own strength and doesn't know the real you know consequences of his actions so that makes sense right and i right. was like i
0: attribute it to something that i read years and years ago that really made a lot of sense to me regarding human nature and that is is that when we walk around in the world we ha- see all these different humans walking around. Some of them we know well, and some of them we don't know well. Right. And so how do we gauge whether or not someone is a danger to us, particularly people that we don't know very well? How do we know when they are a threat? How do we know when they are going to hurt us? Because they're capable of hurting us. They could have a knife or a gun, or they could embezzle money from us or something. That's right. And so one of the ways that we shortcut that system of trying to try instead of sitting down with the person for 5 months and getting to know them we do a very quick scan of the person's demeanor and behavior and presentation as a way of shortcutting to find out is this person normal yeah. because if they're normal then they're like me because I'm normal. Right. And so they, if they look normal and act normal and talk normal, they must be just like me in my head because I'm normal and I dress normal. Yeah, so and, you kind of like project yourself and you're like, oh, well, that's good, we're good. I can relate to that person, therefore they have all the same thoughts that I do and all the same mm-hmm. altruistic notions and stuff. But if there's anything off about another human being, then every, then all bets are off. I don't I, I have no basis of understanding that person if they present in a way that is un, that that is a way that I can't understand, a right. way that I don't I can't predict what they're going to do next. Right. So if you walk down the street and you just like twirl like I don't know, a scarf above your head, you're just walking down the, <laughs> the yeah. sidewalk, people people's heart rates will go up. Not because they care about <laughs> a scarf. True. That's true. But they're just like, well, what's that what's guy doing? What's happening? Here. What's that guy doing? He's not acting normal. Yeah. Therefore, he could kill me. Is sort of the yeah. amygdala response.
1: And there, there are associations. I think many of us have. For example, uh, e- even recently, I was downtown Seattle. I was meeting someone, um, and there was a person there that um, I don't know if they were homeless or not, but they appeared somewhat ragged, and they were yelling at the street and. When when you see that, it is natural, I think, to be like,
0: whoa, maybe I should be right. careful here. Right, because one, they're being aggressive. Right. And two, because if you don't understand what something is, again, it gets down to this base level of like, if I can't understand that person pretty yeah. quickly on a quick scan, then I, I can't predict anything they're going to do, which means anything is possible, which means they could kill me. Yeah. Now, of course – you realize the distortion involved in this is that perfectly normal-looking, normal-acting, normal-talking people can kill you. Right? Right. And and frequently, violent crimes are committed by people yeah. like that. But I, I think that that's, that's part of it. But anyway, that's what I want to talk about today, is are people who suffer from mental illness more likely to commit a crime or a violent crime than people who do not suffer from a mental illness? Let's talk about that today, Berto. Sounds fascinating. This is the Psychology in Seattle podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Kirk Honda. I'm a licensed therapist and a professor. Who are you, Bertha? My name is Humberto Castaneda. I hunt Yu-Gi-Oh! for a living. So that's a little backwards, isn't Why? it? Why? Because, you know, aren't you supposed to hunt Pokemon? Po- what's Pokemon? That's old, man. Yeah. So this is a common thing that people ask about, and I hear a, it's a common thing that I I hear people talk about the news, and until I looked into did a deep dive uh, this week, I had a pretty elementary understanding of this whole thing. Because early in my career, I said I was talking with Bob, you know Bob, right? Yeah, Bob, Bob's been on the podcast, and I can't remember what I said, but you know we were in our twenties, and I said something along the lines of. Intimating that someone with a mental illness was more likely to be violent, I can't remember mm. what I said. It was pro- it was just in conversation, and he like said, "Whoa, whoa, 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 whoa!" Oh, he corrected. People with mental illness are not more likely to be violent. In fact, mm. that's a massive misconception. You know, you really slapped me across the face with sure. it, and I was like, "Oh." Oh, uh, you know, cause as a marriage and family therapist, I have had very limited ex- experience working with people with what we would call serious mental illness, mm-hmm. which we'll get into it in a second. And so, uh, in a lot of ways, I'm, I'm uh, particularly early career was no, no better than a layperson when it yeah. came to like schizophrenia or something.
1: Well, I mean, like th- you were asking me about TV and movies and, uh, the common association through most growing up, every time there would be some sort of deranged killer, it's like, Oh, if they have multiple personality disorder, you can bet at least one of them is a murderous psycho. Yeah. Uh, Oh, if they're a schizophrenic or if they're depressed, they're at least going to kill themselves, if yeah. not others. If they are kleptomaniacs, they're the bad guys in the movie. If they're, mm. you know, so like every, every sort of, like you were saying, uh, if it not, if it was not normal, it meant, crime or right. evil. Right. Or how,
0: how many police officers suffered from a mental illness? Right. You know? How many good guys suffer right. from schizophrenia? Yeah. I mean, occasionally it happens, but it's pretty rare. Uh, yeah, and and to, to go a little deeper on the movie portrayals, the craziness that they often portray in these movies are actually nothing discernible in mental illness. Mm. Like the Joker in the, the most recent Batman right. movies... Actually, it was not the most recent Batman it's movies. The it's old the, ones, yeah, <laughs> the Christopher Nolan yeah. movies. Uh, Heath Ledger's character. What what mental illness did he suffer from? Like, I, it's not, it's not discernible. Uh, OCD. <laughs> it's just like someone who acts weird and dresses weird right. and has a lot of weird affectations, like that's the definition of someone who's crazy because right. they like to smile and laugh a lot. It's <laughs> like there's there's no DSM diagnosis or presentation that, right. that represents. It's, if, if only if it were that obvious in real life. Yeah. It,
1: <laughs> or so happy, you know what Imagine I mean? Imagine if bad guys, when you w- saw a bad guy, it was always like,
0: hello, Kirk. <laughs> you know, yeah. So it's, it's, that's another thing. You know, and then you, hello, Clarice. You know, you have... Hello, Clarice. Uh, yeah. What's this, Hannibal... Lecter, his, his, the way he acted was was crazy.
1: Yeah. Well, and that one was interesting because it showed that even just psychiatrists or psychologists are probably somewhere on the criminal spectrum because they're already dealing with me- mental stuff. Right. Right. Exactly. <laughs>
0: yeah. It's 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 really just quite silly. And it affects the way that we view things, and whenever there's a killing spree that we hear about right. in the news, it's always like, okay, well, what mental illness did he have? And, oh, he must have a mental illness. The, the guy who ran over the people in Charlottesville, oh, he must have a mental illness. It's yeah. it's always this assumption like, oh, well, because, again, it's, it's, it's another sort of reverse notion of what I was talking about earlier is – that person did something so far beyond what i would do right they must be mentally ill they can't possibly yeah. be normal because uh, and are and are one of our only demarcation lines and categorization lines regarding what's not normal is someone who has a mental illness. Mm. You know, if you're not normal, then you must have a mental illness. There's two, yeah. there's your dichotomy. You're either normal or someone who has a mental illness.
1: That is true. I think the common, the lay, the lay perception is, uh, or at least desire, maybe even if you commit a crime, especially a violent crime, uh, that's considered sort of not normal in quotes, right? Therefore, something must be wrong with your mind and you know technically it's certainly not fitting some bell curve but it's not categorized necessarily as some mental illness no a
0: someone who has all the average issues that everyone else has and doesn't even have a mental disorder doesn't qualify for anything uh, can absolutely commit a crime Based on just their own motivations. Right. I mean, let's just take the guy in Charlottesville. I, I have no. I, I haven't looked into his background or anything. Yeah. But you take someone who is upset about the world, who's been fed a lot of propaganda, who is isolated and maybe doesn't have a lot of friends and is is not feeling very good about his life and and uh, you know just at a bad point in his life. Yeah. And he's not depressed. Right. He's upset, but he's not depressed he he's not anxious he's isolated and he is being fed information to make him scared of a particular social movement but he's not diagnosable and people like that will do bad things yeah uh, it's you know it, it's it it's not necessarily at all the result of some mental illness now. Maybe he does stuff. Do you know if he does stuff? I I don't know.
1: Yeah. By the way, this is why I love Star Wars. Yeah. Star Wars dispels all Uh, these notions. (laughs) Yeah. Because think about it. The the main bad guys, Darth Vader and the Emperor, they are not mentally ill. They're not portrayed as mentally ill. They're quite cogent. They speak
0: fluently. They're very... The Emperor... Comes across as like one of those, like, what he, you know, he's not there's no discernible mental illness, but he comes no. across as like, there's something wrong with him. Oh, well, I guy. mean,
1: he's a little touched, maybe, but touched by evil. But <laughs> let's take Darth Vader. Darth Vader seems very calculating, very yeah. put together, yeah. all these things. But the crazy one in the story is Luke Skywalker, who sees all these visions in his eyes that are not really there. He's the psychotic one, and yet he's the good guy.
0: Yeah, interesting. So,
1: you know, it, it, it. Appends the notions.
0: Yeah. Well, you managed to get your Star Wars quota for the episode, <laughs> so to, to bother those people who hate Star Wars. Okay. So let's get into uh, the the research. But before we do that, let's look at what do we mean by mental illness. So, what do you think we mean by serious mental illness, or even mental illness in general?
1: Well, I guess the, something that is actually uh, diagnosable based on DSM criteria that is something that you know affects the person's life in a significant way and and has uh, like very specific markers that you can diagnose and things like that.
0: Yeah, uh no, I'll say that it was a good shot, but that's that's not uh what the consensus is. The fir- the, the the bottom line is there is no official de- definition of what is considered ah, a serious mental illness or even a mental illness. Mm-hmm. We have mental disorders in the DSM. They're mm-hmm. all disorders, but they're they're not Uh, And you could sort of extrapolate and say, well, they're all mental illnesses, but there's no official, these are the mental illnesses. Like there's not, there's no phrase in the DSM that says mental illness or serious mental illness. But so it was a trick question. <laughs> it was a trick question.
1: <laughs> you barred birdo- out well, that one. <laughs> well, what you
0: basically defined was mental disorders. Mental disorders. Yeah, okay. all the DSM d- disorders. And it should be noted that in the DSM, you have things like ADHD and right. adjustment disorders and tick disorders and panic disorders and, and depression and mild depression and, uh, and, of course, schizophrenia and personality disorders and conduct disorders, and, you know, it's it's a very thick, mm-hmm. it's got, I don't know, 800, 900 pages and <laughs> a very small print, and so it's got a lot in there. But the general consensus in the literature, which can vary, is that serious mental illness refers to things like any of the psychotic uh, flavors so you have schizophrenia major depression as it gets into this psych- cuz you can become psychotic in major depression right or major depression in such a way that you can't even leave the house you're you're basically in a room staring at the wall uh, mm-hmm. in this almost comatose uh, state. Yikes. So it's not depressed like I'm sad or I'm feeling a little down. It's like the severe end of depression, the kind of major depression that today they still use electroconvulsive therapy. Wow. Uh, s- uh, upper end, bipolar, schizoaffective, uh, all the different kind of psych- psychotic disorders. So uh, if you send a
1: frowny face in a text, that doesn't qualify.
0: What are you saying? For depression or something. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, add that with the poop emoji. We're, n- now we're, now getting, we're talking. Yeah. Um, sometimes associative identity disorder is considered a serious mental illness. Sometimes cluster Bs, like borderline, are considered serious mental illness. But usually serious mental illness refers to psychosis. So mm-hmm. we're talking schizophrenia, uh, bipolar, schizoaffective, these kinds of things.
1: The kind of stuff my stepdad worked with probably although those were violent on top of everything
0: right which we'll get into in a second well so by definition if you have a so-called serious mental illness which is not which is not a clinical term you would have what we would call non-serious mental illnesses right so you'd have moderate anxiety Mm. or any anxiety i suppose adjustment disorders maybe ptsd that kind of stuff right now To be clear, again, these are very strange categories. Serious mental illness, you know, I to me, I wish they would just say like moderate to severe psychosis or something, Mm. Um, uh, or you know, conditions that result in a break from reality or something, right? Um, Those because serious mental illness, I think, to many people they wouldn't know the demarcation line. They they might think that OCD is considered a serious mental illness. And maybe for some people it is considered a serious mental illness. Yeah,
1: like like what makes up serious moonlight, for example. Right. Yeah, or serious
0: Birdo. (laughs) That's
1: impossible. That's an impossibility. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Um, And also the research kind of jumps around and the media jumps around. But anyway, so that that should be – but as we move forward, uh, mainly what this talk is about is about – moderate to severe Mm -hmm. psychotic disorders, schizophrenia, mainly, honestly. Okay. Okay, So again, a couple other caveats that need to be discussed up front. Uh, is it tougher bluff? Birdo people with mental disorders are rare. Well, uh, that's
1: bluff because, uh, disorder, you said disorders. And since there's so many
0: and so many different little categorizations, I'm going to go bluff. Uh, true. Uh, I mean, you're right. Uh, uh, what percentage of people in any given year in the United States qualify for a disorder in the DSM? I'm going to say 30%. Good. Close. 25 really? Wow. 20, 25%. Okay. And what percentage of people in the U.S. will qualify for a disorder at some point in their life? In their life? Oh, in the U.S.? In the U.S. Okay. That should be higher. So uh, 40%. Good. 50%. Fifty, Half. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So if people with a mental disorder were at risk of violent behavior, then at any given time, there would be 200 and <laughs> two, like about 150 yeah. million Americans prone to violence. You know, right. You know, and, and then we'd all be dead within 24 hours, right? <laughs> so so this notion that mental disorders leads to violence is is ridiculous on its face just when you consider the prevalence rates of, of mental disorders in general. Yeah. Okay, so, uh, tougher bluff, Berto. Violent crime is on the rise. I know you know the answer to I'm, this one. It's bluff. Uh, we, we have a decrease. Yeah. The fact is, is that violent crime in the United States has fallen sharply over the past 25 years, Research also shows that people think it's the opposite. So when they actually ask people, yeah. the vast majority of Americans are like, Oh, no, no, uh, yeah, crime's on the rise. Violence is on the rise. Yeah.
1: If I didn't know the stat, in my gut based on, because I think, I think we've talked about this before. I think the social media aspect of it and the fact that we have so much access to information makes it so that it used to be that in the evening news, we'd hear about a, a robbery or a thing. But now, like on the evening second, every second, it's like, Oh, another murderer, another thing, another attack, another thing, nuclear war, blah, blah. So you're like, oh, shit, it's, the world's going to hell.
0: I, I think that's excellent uh, speculation. I, I would extrapolate it to media going back before the internet, too, though. Uh, because in the 70s, when we were growing up, I remember people being quite convinced. And it actually, violent crime was on the rise back <laughs> yeah. then. But, but the point is, is that as as media even tv even the six o'clock news would would make people really paranoid so uh but anyway yeah it media if it bleeds it leads it's a common thing and we're also extremely bad at understanding statistics so even you people out there who are listening to this you will hear me say this and you've probably heard it from others but I give you another month of exposure to the world, and you will return. You'll have a you'll have a likelihood of returning to the notion like no, no, no. Crimes on the ro- the, Crime's the world, the, it, world is, the world is getting worse. Yeah, you know, and and because you just you can't hold on to statistics, right? And, and you will go off of your gut. Uh, it's
1: like when I, when I left Bogota in 1990. If you were to go by the evening news, you'd think there were like
0: ten bombs going off daily, but really it was only like nine. <laughs> yeah, Yeah and you know this is why i don't watch the news or cnn or any of those kinds of news shows because i i'm a human being and prone to the same foibles that everyone else yeah. is and i will become convinced that the world is a really scary terrible place yeah. and it, it's so interesting that when i cut myself off from those news outlets that suddenly i f- i feel completely at ease with the world in my neighborhood and the people around me and lo and behold my uh, notions always turn out true uh, literally no one's attacked me yeah. uh, in my entire life I think and so uh, now I'm lucky and I have yeah. been particular neighborhoods but the point is is that if you're an average American, you live in a you live in a relatively safe place and the chance that yeah. someone is going to jump out of the bushes and kill you or a muslim is going to bomb you or uh, the the norovirus is going to kill you or you know the chance that these things are happening are extremely low statistically to the point of not almost non it's like saying i bought a lottery ticket i'm going to win the lottery it's like yeah. no you're not statistically yeah. it's the, the you know if, if, if there are ever a, a close number, you know, 0.00001 that's really close to zero, you're basically, you have a 0% chance. Yeah. And, and all these things are true as well. Anyway, so that's why I don't watch the news because it, it actually really makes me scared because it's perfectly designed to scare you. That's how they keep you watching. And that's why I consider it to be the most manipulative thing humans have ever created. More manipulative than politicians. All right. So actual research. There's a lot of research into this. Uh, does that surprise you at all in, in terms of hmm. does having a mental illness increase your risk of committing a violent crime?
1: It doesn't surprise me that there's a lot of research, both because I think that uh, researchers might start with a certain bias of like, oh, I bet you there is. And or you would think it would be very useful because, you, you know, if you could predict vi- future violent behavior based on mental diagnoses, that could be very useful. Yeah, good.
0: So – there's a. They've looked at it from a lot of angles, and I will I will give you the gestalt of the of hundreds of research uh, studies and meta studies that I've looked at. Um, well, let me let me ask you. What do you think? Do you think there's an association between serious mental illness like schizophrenia and violence? In other words, if you have uh, someone with schizophrenia, are they more likely to commit a violent crime than someone who does not have schizophrenia? I mean, I'm, you know, my gut would tell me, yeah, probably because of all, everything
1: we've already discussed, but I'm actually going to go with bluff or no, because uh, what I'm thinking is a lot of serious mental illness is more incapacitating in some ways than it is empowering to commit violence, yeah. meaning like it's hard for you to daily, like to get along with others too. and that might be very frustrating. You might isolate yourself. You might have a lot of issues uh, performing well at work and all these kind of things, I I don't think that that all adds up to, like, you're always, like, looking for a weapon ready to kill or something.
0: Yeah. Although that's true, you're wrong. Unfortunately, according to research, there appears to be a relationship between serious mental illness and violent behavior. Oh. Yeah. And and this is something you're not going to hear from a lot of people in my industry because – all of us, for the most part, are very sensitive to creating stigma around mm. mental illness. And so we're going to go more into this later and provide a lot of caveats and uh, a lot of uh, broader understanding of what that this means. But when you look at the actual research and, and, wow. and, and several, several studies, uh, you, you actually do see a, a fairly significant increase in the risk of violent behavior if you have a serious mental illness. And do their eyes actually turn into little spirals then? Yeah. Woo! So I'm going to give you a typical presentation, and this, Berto, you might be able to relate to given your stepfather's involvement Mm -hmm. in in a state hospital here in Washington State. So a typical presentation is someone is in their early 20s and they start to develop schizophrenia. And at first they seem depressed. They withdraw, they isolate, they you know they quit their job, they move back in with their parents. They don't leave their room very often. they start getting a little dirty. Uh, people, friends and family are saying they seem different. you know, they seem like something something's different about them or they may, maybe they're sad. Um, they might enter outpatient treatment because of the depression and or anxiety, but it doesn't seem to help and things seems to get be getting worse. The family starts to get concerned. Uh, the 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 patient starts to develop psychosis but at this point they're so isolated no one really notices they start hearing voices that are telling them that they are an evil person that's just one of the horrible things about schizophrenia is why do the voices have to say so many horrible things you know like it's one thing to have auditory hallucinations it's another thing when it's you're a terrible person what you just said was stupid you will never amount to anything no one likes you you're a joke you're and and, and there's often swearing involved in the voices which is interesting anyway so that starts to happen uh, quick question yeah. have
1: they found is there some you know research that shows that schizophrenia usually affects the same brain areas or
0: yeah yes and no uh, one in general we don't understand the brain in a nutshell. But yeah, there's some initial research demonstrating that there seems to be some connections with some part of the brain. Well, I heard one theory from a neuro person that made some sense that schizophrenia might be a, a a sort of like early Alzheimer's in a sense where your brain starts to break down in some ways. Mm. There's in and. there are uh, pathways in the brain that that lose their function, and somehow, and and one of the functions of the brain is the ability to differentiate between a an inner voice and an outer voice. It, you know, it, it's something that you don't think about, but the fact that we can tell ourselves a sentence, you know, like in our heads, we can say, "Boy, that was stupid what I just said the yeah. other day," and and you you feel yourself saying it in in your head and then there so there's a person saying something in your head and a, and another you listening to that and you're not confused usually about right you know it's way. like that's a voice that i am evoking in my mind but it's not it's not another voice it's my voice that i have control over right. you know even if the voice is intrusive you know like like you're not like today i'm going to talk shit about myself in my head. Do you know what I mean? It's like, it it just sort of pops in your head. Like, Oh my God, that was so dumb that I said that it it still feels like a part of you. And it's still perceived as though you have at least some control over it. I I think if you could uh, somehow
1: output, um, all the little micro voices that happen when we're thinking and looking and, and, and analyzing the world, it would be quite terrifying right. to us and others. Right. You'd be like, Oh, that person's, I should kill that person. Oh, I don't want to, I should stab someone. I was like, Oh, I'm going to
0: like, it's horrible, right? I think you just revealed something about yourself. <laughs> well, your not story. me, not me. <laughs> but yeah, you're right. So, cause we're, we're apes and we have a lot of, we're, we're not rational th- beings. Yeah. We're, we're animals. and, we have all these threat reactions and all these shame reactions, and, and we manage to control them with our superego over time, but they're still there. And so one hypothesis that sounds compelling to me is that the part of the brain that can differentiate that actually becomes dysfunctional to the point where these voices feel like outside mm-hmm. voices. As if someone is in the room telling you something. And so the reason why they often become negative is because, uh, again, the hypothesis goes, is that a lot of us have in, you know, intrusive negative thoughts about ourselves because of internalized critical voices yeah. or just the natural tendency to, to feel stupid about yourself sometimes, you know? Like the witch voice. Uh, which voice? the
1: the the one that we all hear that does sound like an outside voice that tells us
0: to kill bunnies and yeah, that voice, that voice exactly yeah. So anyway, getting back to our typical scenario, uh, so this person has is isolated themselves. They are developing psychosis, but they're they're pretty isolated and no one really knows, and they're ashamed of it, so they don't tell any other anybody about it. The voices are being very hurtful to them and very mean to them. The voices tell them that other people are out to get them. They start to develop some paranoia. Maybe the government is after them. Maybe their father is secretly poisoning them or something. You know, A lot of mm. persecutory kinds of paranoia notions start to intrude, and they become very convinced of them. They're not just like, I wonder if my dad's poisoning. It's like, no, my dad is absolutely poisoning, poisoning me. The voices tell them that they should probably do... S- so sometimes the voices will say, go out and kill those people. Mm-hmm. But sometimes it's almost like at a, Like if you believe that your dad is poisoning you, then it makes sense that killing him would come to mind, right? right. You'd be like, well, if he's going to try to kill me, I, I, I'm, it's me or him, I'm going to kill him first. Yeah. So sometimes people think like schizophrenia leads to voices that compel you to do something. But... Uh, a lot of times it's a result of a logical result of a psychotic notion, you know, like the government, like uh, the government is secretly watching me and they're screwing with me and they're purposely trying to uh, make me go crazy. Well, and and I can identify those people when I walk around in public as that person is by Ooh. the government, that person is with the government, and so screw that noise! I'm going to kill those people. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and, and that s-
1: doesn't become a oh the dog told me to do it. It's rather right. well. I, I they're trying to kill me. Right. They're actually trying to kill me.
0: Exactly. Yeah.
1: Um. Do you did you ever watch uh, Love Actually? No. Oh, okay. There's there's one character in that movie that I feel. I might have something like schizophrenia, but it, he's someone's brother and, and she goes to visit him and he's, he just seems like somewhat divorced from reality often. And then he'll have these moments of like, he's fine. He's fine. And then all of a sudden he's like trying to attack her. Cause like, she seems like he, th- you know, but I, who knows what he actually has. They never talk about his diagnosis or anything.
0: Yeah. People can act like that for sure. Um, so they start hearing voices or they start being, they start having logical uh, thoughts based on psychosis to harm other people. Um, they, they don't feel great about it They're because they have compassion. People with schizophrenia generally have compassion and empathy for other people. So they're not like, they're not like, we let's go kill people or something. You mm-hmm. know, they, again, this is a presentation of someone with psycho- psychosis that leads to violence. Um, most, again, which we'll get into later, most people with uh, psych- psychosis don't end up down this road that I'm going down in a second. You know, this is actually right. a, a rare presentation at the end, but it's an example of how one would consider schizophrenia leading to violence, so to speak. Um, they commit a violent act. Maybe they believe the 7 Eleven cashier is a government agent and they. They punch, you know. They 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 go they go behind the counter and they push him down and and they say like, you know, tell the tell Trump to stay out of my life or something. Right. And then, and then um, but actually, and it's usually not murder by the way. It's usually some kind of Attack. assault or something. And actually, I should back up and say that it's actually usually on a family member. That the vast majority of. Mm psychotic individuals who commit violence violent acts something like 85% of the acts are actually on someone in their family because by then they've they've isolated to the point where they're probably dependent on their parents oh sure and so a lot of times it's a parent that they actually will assault because their parents become Frustrating individuals to them, so to speak, or or wrapped up in their delusions, and so they they often will attack their parents.
1: Or I'm imagining an orderly, for example. Right. Yeah. yeah.
0: Well, by that point, they're actually diagnosed. I mo- the the profile I'm giving right now is actually uh, purposeful in that they're not in treatment yet because oh, okay. because most people who don't most people most people with psychosis who commit a violent crime. Are not in, in treatment, treatment, you know. Um, so the family member gets assaulted. They don't call the police because they don't want to involve the legal system because they're afraid for their, you know, family member. They don't want. They'll the, take them away or something. Yeah. Um, the situation continues. The situation escalates. The person suffering from schizophrenia begins to have delusions that their family is out to get them, and the person with schizophrenia commits more acts of violence, and eventually the police are involved. Eventually it gets to a certain point where the family is like, well, we got to call the cops, or the neighbors find out, or they go to 7-Eleven and they assault someone there. At uh, what point do they fall in the, vi- in the vat of acid? Uh, and they get, and then they have like a smile. Yeah, uh, that's earlier, of I course. Uh, they commit more acts of violence. Eventually, the police are involved. the person gets convicted, and then they're evaluated because it's determined by someone in the system, either talking to the family. It's like, oh, maybe there's a mental uh, issue here. The evaluating psychologist determines that the person is indeed suffering from mental illness like schizophrenia. They're put, and at that point, they're put in a state hospital involuntarily. Mm. Instead of going to prison, it's determined, why would we send this person to prison? When they have a clear psych- psychotic disorder, one, they're not going to do well in prison if they're psychotic, right. right? So they need to go somewhere else. Two, the idea of, of, of uh, you know, incarceration is one of rehab and, and they're not going to rehab them in prisons. Now, having said that only certain mental illnesses get deemed as hospitalized, hospitalizable disorders. You know, there's plenty of people with PTSD that end sure. up going to prisons and not to a mental institution, you know? So anyway, um, so they go to a state hospital, which is uh, what, uh, the big one was where your stepfather worked. Yeah. Uh, and one time a patient arrived at your door
1: Oh that was that was when I was in I believe I was still in high school or early college but back at home or something somehow they um, escaped it was a a, a, a man a lady she in the middle of the night escaped or something and um, well, all we know is uh, banging on the door starts at like three a.m in the morning and some she was yelling things that were, you know, incomprehensible to us. But it was some, demanding something or whatever. And yeah, she was from from there. But over the years, she got attacked uh,
0: multiple times. Uh, and yeah, people who uh, work in facilities like that are saints. I would not want to work in a facility like that. It's it's very hard work and it's dangerous. He just retired. Oh, well, good for him. He survived. He did. <laughs> um, so. Now, they go to the hospital, they start getting treatment, maybe the medication, and then as they're in the hospital, they're periodically evaluated to see if they're a risk to others or themselves, and then at some point, years down the line or so, or depending on how serious the crime was, honestly, and depending on the course of their psychosis, they're deemed, they might be deemed as uh, okay to be released, and then they're released. So so that's one story. Now, that is not a typical story of schizophrenia. Mm. The beginning is... But the violent act police involvement is actually a rare presentation, So, uh, which we'll get into more in a second here. But before we do that, let's take a break. What do you say, Bruno? Yes. Just chiming in here, a reminder for everyone to go to Talkspace.com and use the promo code Kirk to get a discount if you're looking for online counseling. Online counseling is a – especially at Talkspace right now, it's a totally legit way of, of getting therapy. They only – where They only hire fully licensed therapists, meaning that they are not recent grads. They are fully licensed, and they've been vetted. They've been, they've been trained in the online platform. And the cool thing about this Talkspace uh, sort of format is you get contact with your therapist every day, which is you know, pretty cool. And so if you're looking for therapy or you just want to give it a try – uh, go to talkspace.com use the promo code kirk which gives you a discount also it, when you use the promo code kirk it also signals to talkspace to let them know that this sponsorship is worth it so we really want them to become an ongoing sponsor so if you're if you're you know interested and you just want to check it out please do so now go to talkspace.com use the promo code kirk all right we're back from the break if you haven't become a patron of the podca- podcast podcast please do so now go to patreon.com And become a, become a patron of the podcast because why should people become a patron, bro? Lots of reasons. You know,
1: they, uh, first of all, they'll feel great about it because they'll be part of a community that's, that's influencing our direction. Uh, there, there's a little bit of a family feeling to it too, you know. And people yeah. will email us. We give priority to their emails when they can. Re- they can request topics for our show. Uh, they're also liable to get some swag here and there because you do all sorts of drawings. Um, and and also just uh, a lot of their donations get go to good causes. Yeah. Um, and finally, uh, they help us grow and they help. You know, they help you produce the show and yeah. have more content, do more research, do really high quality episodes.
0: And we're very close to passing a Patreon goal in which we will start officially donating to Mm. PetFinder.com. PetFinder.com finds uh, pets. It's a huge organization of lots of people who volunteer. I got my pets through PetFinder.com. There's there's all these people who volunteer their houses to – to foster animals so that they won't be euthanized somewhere else, yes, and and uh, put them on the internet and connect them. And the people I got mm. my cats from drove up, I think from like Arizona or something, wow. like because they they were the foster home in Arizona, and they're like, and I and I found the two cats on the Pet Finder mm-hmm. website, and I was like, I want these two cats, <laughs> and then uh, and then the 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 owners said, well, we live in Arizona. Uh, can can you come down? Are you coming down here sometimes, or, or, or California or something? I was like, "Are you coming down here sometimes soon?" And I'm like, uh, "No," and they're like, "Okay, road trip." And so they just wow. they just they're a retired couple, and they just drove all the way up to Seattle. That's insane. And gave me my Casper. <laughs> okay, so getting back to research regarding is mental serious mental illness associated with violence, and the answer is yes. But here's some major caveats. Number one. The vast majority of individuals with serious mental illness are not violent, so this mm. is very important again when I say the statement to the general public or people who don't understand statistics or risk risk factors or you know prevalence uh, percentages when I say that that schizophrenia and other serious mental illnesses are associated with right. an increase in violence what they what they what a lot of people hear is people with schizophrenia are violent
1: uh, yeah which which what you more mean correct me if I'm wrong it's more like if you took a hundred people that are not diagnosed with a serious mental illness and you took a hundred people that are diagnosed with a serious mental illness the percentage of the latter group that would be likely
0: to commit a crime would be slightly higher than the first group that's right it's not slightly higher but yeah but it's not it's it's a still a percentage and we'll get more into statistics in a second but anyway the a, a huge caveat is the vast majority of people with serious mental illness are not violent. So, the even though there's a there's an increase in risk, if you bump into a people with someone with schizophrenia, the chance of them harming you is extremely low. Yeah, because most people are actually not violent, and most people with a serious mental illness are not violent. Okay. Also, number two, another caveat: the vast majority of violence. Is committed by people who do not qualify for a serious mental illness. So when you actually, you know, gather all the data on all the people in America, United States who were violent this year, the vast majority of them were not seriously mentally ill. They were, uh, you know, they didn't have psychosis. Because there's so many more people in that bucket. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Number three. And uh, also, violence is motivated by so many things, sure. and it just so happens that uh, psychosis can, uh, for some individuals, kind of push them over the edge a yeah. little bit. Number three, people with serious mental illness are often victims of violence and they're actually more likely to be a victim than they are to be oh, a perpetrator wow. They're because of our stupid society and our stigma around, around mental illness. There are people who will just target someone with mm-hmm. a mental illness because they have a mental illness. They'll just, they will just like, well, you're a piece of shit. So I'm going to attack you or uh, no one's going to care if you're, if you're attacked. So I'm going to attack you. Right. I mean, I, I remember hearing stories about people in this is, you know, 20, 30 years ago, this uh, homeless man who had schizophrenia was lit on fire in Seattle just, just because some oh roaming band of Hicks came through Capitol Hill and decided uh, that, I can't remember if it was Capitol Hill or downtown, but anyway, they're just like, yeah, let's, yeah. let's go burn a, a homeless person, you know? Oh, my. Okay. So, number four another caveat there are other factors that are much more predictive of violence other than schizophrenia and other mental illnesses what do you think the other uh, major indicators of of a higher risk of violence are uh, i would say uh,
1: socioeconomic background maybe um, maybe i
0: that's not the one i have okay, here okay uh, let me think there there are there are 3 major factors that rise above all others, including socioeconomic. Okay. If you're a male. Yes. If you're, if you're a male, you are way more likely to commit a violent act than if you're a female. You shouldn't say that. That's not right. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, (laughs) You know, so, so therefore, uh, so if you're afraid of people with mental illness, then you should be way more afraid of men. Do you know what I mean? Sure. Uh, What's another factor? Um, if you're okay, I mean, maybe this is dumb, but
1: if you've previously committed a, a crime,
0: uh, no, you know, I mean, I, maybe, but, but in terms uh, of demographics, okay. oh, I see, okay, uh, young, like early 20s, yeah, exactly. If you're a male, age 18 to Twenty-four or thirty-ish. Yeah, you are that group of people encapsulates like a vast (laughs) majority of the of the violent of any crime, let alone violent crime, uh, mostly violent crime, right? Um, And what's the final factor? Um, it doesn't. It's not demographic. It's not demographic. It's more, but it's broad. It's it's a huge category of of thing. (laughs)
1: Uh, Anti-social
0: behavior. No uh, alcohol use. Of course substance. Right. So if you're 25, if you see a 25-year-old male who has a beer in his hand, he is extru- He has the markers of violence <laughs> to such a degree uh, that, uh, you know, way higher than if you saw someone with schizophrenia walking down the oh, road.
1: Wow. So a 20-year-old, even more so, because they're breaking the law already. Mm-hmm. So what else do they have to lose?
0: <laughs> yeah, right. So in uh, the fifth... Uh, caveat here is that research is actually pretty difficult. So it's re- so even though I'm saying the gestalt of the research is that uh, um, violence and schizophrenia and other psychotic uh, major mental illnesses are related, it's hard to know w- to what degree. And even if that's accurate, because you know what constitutes a serious mental illness, uh, some of you might be surprised that for for many people. Uh, it's hard to define whether or not someone actually has a mental illness or not, you Mm. know? And so and where's the line, what constitutes like, uh, what, where's the line between not having schizophrenia and having schizophrenia, you know, you have to define that line in the research somewhere. And so is there research
1: about why
0: male? Uh, yeah, they've tried to look at that. It's socialization, maybe weight, maybe hormones, maybe, uh, impulses, but, uh, But definitely socialization, you know, because different societies have different gender breakdowns when it comes to this sort of thing. Um, Anyway, so also what constitutes a violent crime is uh, spitting at someone. Is that a violent crime? Mm -hmm. Uh, Obviously shooting someone's a violent crime. So where's that line exactly? Sure. Um, Also, what gets reported? How how many assaults or what would consider to be a criminal assault, how many of them actually are reported? I I would say – The vast majority, are not. In fact, for me, I was completely assaulted a few years ago by what I assumed to be a psychotic person. I was walking out of Seven Eleven, the the or not the Seven Eleven, but the gas, the convenience store is right by my place downtown. Uh And this guy, I was just coming out of the door, and this guy, full swing, (laughs) just hit me as hard as he could in the arm, in the shoulder, and it was so hard I almost fell over, and. I didn't report that. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, so now, was he mentally ill? I don't know. But the point is, is how many assaults actually even are reported or even end up in the database that would allow for scrutiny right. by an outside researcher, you know? Oh, oh I got to tell you something that happened to me on an
1: airplane recently. Um, I was loading into the airplane and ahead of me was a, a short. Gal, she was really sure. She was like half my size, trying to get uh, her suitcase, her bag up in the overhead.
0: And, and you punched her in the face. I man. punched
1: her in the face. Felt awesome. And I, my testosterone level went up a little bit. You know. Anyways, no. But I'm walking up, and I see that there's some sort of discussion happening between her and this dude. And the dude's got like an Australian accent. Maybe he sounds like. I, I sometimes I'm really bad at at accents that are not from here. But he's certainly not. From, he, he has some sort of. United Kingdom accent. Okay. So he's, and he starts cussing at her like, like, oh, because she says, like, I'm just trying to get my bag where, like, my row is. He's like, oh, like, that's so fucking important. Blimey, governor. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Why don't you Blimey, go stick governor. your face
0: in the loo? <laughs> yeah. Take a lift to oh hell. Oh, gosh.
1: Wait, was it you? That was literally what, um So, anyways, I'm hearing this and I don't really want to get involved, but at the same time, I'm like, he's being really it sounds like he's being a really big asshole so i help her finish putting the bag in and when he says like oh yeah like that's so fucking important say like dude she's just trying to put her bag where her seat is and then he said by this time he's sitting down and he's with his wife and kid and his kid's like a toddler and he says i quote i cannot believe he says this he goes he's like what's it to you sunshine he literally said that line, which sounds like from an '80s movie or something. What's it to you, sunshine? And so I, I like for a second, I wanted to burst out laughing because yeah, what it was does so, that even mean? So I, but I, I like I, I get a little closer to him and I say, "Dude, calm down." Like that, because I, I was like, "You're gonna get everyone kicked off this fucking plane," and and we've been. Oh, by the way, the planes were delayed. We a, we were all in a bad mood, Ugh. and the guy then just like mumbles under his breath, like, "You should you should sit down or something like that," right? Like, I couldn't quite make out what he said, and then that was the end of the drama. But I couldn't believe it. Like the guy was ready to throw down over the bag placement in the overhead yeah. compartment. It's crazy. Yeah, and then that line, who says that? Yeah. You What's have been it, like, it to
0: you, sunshine? You should be like, how did you know my name? <laughs> I'm Sunshine McGee. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> um, now, having said that, he probably
1: wasn't mentally no, ill. No, no, he didn't seem... He just seemed... Well, who knows? But he seemed highly
0: stressed out and, sorry for the diagnosis, an asshole. Well, and in my experience, traumatized. People who have been traumatized, bullied, physically abused can... Easily be triggered in a con- oh, in a context like I didn't that. Think yeah. that. Yeah, I
1: didn't uh, take that into account.
0: Well, it's helpful to me and maybe to you, and to you, list- deserving listeners out there. Whenever you see behavior like that, I have come to learn very clearly that these people are these people have been traumatized when your dad beats you, and you are your mm. your nerves are fried, <clears throat> and. Uh, you walk around in a constant state of hypervigilance of of threat, oh. and if someone is in your kind of in your space, or you've had your flight delayed, and you've had, right, you know a uh, a customer service agent tell you to sit the fuck down or something, you know right. they wouldn't say that, but they go sit down, get on my, you know, and and you're just getting triggered, and your and your your distress level is at a is at an eight, and then someone is at the final moment, you know, in your space and annoying you, you just see red, you know, it's, it's, yeah. it's road rage. Uh, it'd be the same as if uh, you take a woman who has been sexually abused her whole childhood and then, so a man, a big man walks up to her in public mm-hmm. and says, Hey, baby, you're looking good. Right. And then she's triggered and she goes into this very uh, distressing state. Right. And, uh, you know, has a panic attack and runs to the bathroom and cries for two hours. It's the exact same mm. brain phenomenon.
1: That's very fascinating. I did, I did not actually consider it. I don't know why that that seems so obvious now that I think about it. I wonder, actually... Um, cause I, I also was curious why the, the thing I said to him seemed to bring him down to a calmer level, even though he was still mumbling under his breath. Yeah. Cause he was, that reaction and that statement of like, what's it to you, sunshine? is such an aggressive, like, thing, right? And then when I said, I looked at him, I sort of frowned, and I said, like, dude, calm down, right? But that wasn't a, oh yeah, let's show, you know, but it was more like, can you come back to reality, right? Yeah. And that seemed to be, that plus his wife going like, dude, you know, stop. What seemed to be just enough. Now he still mumbled something, but that was like the end of it, right?
0: Yeah. I mean, he probably uh, saw you as someone who could throw down. And plus you're standing, he's sitting, he's with his wife. And he wasn't a big guy either. Like he was a. But but I just speculating if he was triggered, my guess is he was thinking, this could end badly for me uh, me see. yelling at some woman right i could probably just go off on that and be okay mm. but this guy who you know i et- see
1: that's a good point cuz he was yell- he was abusing someone like half his size right. that yeah with uh, no
0: power having said that uh, it, there, there's being triggered doesn't make you psychotic it just no. makes you extremely distressed all of us have been there yeah. you know i mean how many of us have yelled at someone in the car uh, you know, that's because we were distressed and we're, we're, yeah. we're letting it out, you know, anyway. Okay. So uh, going in, before going into the research, I just want to also uh, talk a little bit about the political dogma and misinformation that is being uh, propagated in our society. Uh, there's two side and there's two sides. So you, so you have people who are in my field who are trying to propagate this idea that there is no association between sure. serious mental illness and violence. Um, they are against the stigma. and But there's plenty of people who just who know, I think, better and are just making super false claims as a shortcut to try to tell people that people with, with serious mental illness are, are not at a risk. And so, for example, uh, different quotes that I have here that I pulled from various different professionals. Quote, People living with mental illness are no more violent than other people. Unquote. That's just like not supported. Now they might be saying mental disorders. In which case, if you just lump every mental disorder together, my guess is is that you wouldn't see a significant difference because because again, fifty percent of Americans will have a mental disorder at some point in their life. So, and what's the chance that that fifty percent is more violent than the other fifty percent? You know, it's a pretty pretty slim chance. Quote. Research consistently shows there is no evidence that people living with mental illness are generally more violent than anyone else, unquote. Now, there's a tricky word. So generally more violent. So what does that exactly mean, right? Like, uh, yeah, you could say that. Like, well, they they are a little more violent. (laughs) They're a little bit more likely to be violent. But the general person with a mental disorder is not more likely to be violent, you know. So it's a bit of a play Hmm, with words. Another quote here. The causal link between psychosis and violence is inconclusive. They'll mm. say they'll say it's inconclusive. It's actually, unfortunately, I hate to say this because of the stigma. Yeah. Uh, but it actually there's a ton of evidence pointing at psychosis as being uh, as raising the risk. Again, caveat: the the chance of a particular psychotic person being right. violent is extremely low. Uh, but then you have people on the other side where the media super biased. Whenever in the news someone commits some kind of heinous, violent act, immediately it's assumed that there must be a mental illness, when in reality, uh, the chance that any one person who commits a terrible act, the chance that they actually do have a serious mental illness is extremely low, actually. okay. So, again, in a nutshell, unfortunately, there appears to be a relationship between serious mental illness and violent behavior. Oh, quick question.
1: Yeah. Because definitely, like, with a lot of the mass shootings, uh, a lot of the rhetoric is sometimes like, uh, you know, don't don't talk about guns, don't talk about anything, we should just talk about mental illness. Right. Um, And- uh, We should be talking about both, both. incidentally. Yeah, absolutely. And then I, I was just wondering, like, in general- uh, a lot of those end up being inconclusive as well like well he was a little depressed or he was doing this. well or he was t- that. take for
0: instance the the kid who killed the, all those kids at in New Haven yeah. Connecticut he had he was on the spectrum he was he was on he was aut- he was high functioning autistic mm, yeah. but but no I from what I can tell noticeably autistic so he wasn't like uh, imperceptibly autistic if that makes mm-hmm. sense but he was you know he was Higher functioning, as they call them, and and he committed all those heinous acts. And a lot of people's uh, gestalt after all the news reports and everything was, oh, because he was autistic, he committed all those terrible acts. Right. But his uh, his autism had nothing to do with it. Right. Because out of the the millions of Americans who are on the spectrum, hardly any of them commit any. You know, the chance of an autistic person committing a crime is the same as a non-autistic committing a crime right. like that. That's I mean, not a serious mental illness. Right. Like the, well, even if it was. Uh-huh. The point is is that uh, the the kids at Columbine, they didn't have autism. Right. So that when, it's like there's this witch hunt whenever there's a a, a, a news story like this of like, well, what's the mental illness? Mm. And then there's this confirmation bias that when you actually find it, you're like, oh, that's it. You know what I mean? Plus again, it's a human compulsion to want to explain things and a human compulsion to want to say, well, I need a, a I need an answer that is satisfying to me. Yeah. Like, well, he's a Muslim, so therefore all we have to do is keep Muslims out of the country. Oh, that person's a mental illness. Okay, all I have to do is make sure that I keep mental illness people yeah. at, at arm's length. Oh, okay, that person is that, so I can protect, protect. – the fact is is I'm, I hate to break it to people. There's no way to protect yourself from these kinds of crimes right. other than don't think about it because it's not going to happen to you. Yeah. <laughs> Again, the the lottery of one of these killing sprees affecting you or one of these runover stories happening to you is so low uh, in fact, the, the tiny bit of stress that takes probably like a few weeks off of your life is, is actually more conflict. damaging to you than actually what would actually happen to you. Now, right. does, does that mean that it doesn't happen? No, it, it, it happens. You know, it yeah. happens. But you know, the, the statistic I always like to bring up is something like twenty to 30,000 Americans die from the flu every year. Yeah. The flu, uh, more people have died from like 10 hundred like i don't know how many people died from terrorism this last year yeah and what percentage of that compares to you know what's how does that compare (laughs) to the people that you know and when you go to cars or heart disease or it's it's a ridiculous right right so you know what are we consumed by by when we walk down the street as we're uh not washing our hands as we're eating a burger, as we're driving a car, literally driving a car with a burger that with a hand that we didn't wash after touching that doorknob, like you are a billion times more at risk than you will ever be from a Muslim right <laughs> or or someone with a mental illness, you know what I mean?
1: I think it's the you know the this natural feeling of like we want things to be fair, and already it some things feel unfair like God, i can't believe there are diseases that could kill us but uh, you know something like cars we all look at it and like yeah that sucks that there's so many car crashes but you know i'm a pretty good driver so i'll be fine <laughs> right whereas whereas like wait someone just randomly walked into a mall and killed 20 people yeah well that's not fair dude and that could happen to anyone right right
0: yeah, exactly. Which is, it's
1: true that it's not fair, and it yeah. could technically happen to anyone, but the odds are, like you're saying, really low.
0: Right. And if you want to increase your safe living, there are so many other things you should be thinking about other than the norovirus. Okay. So, uh, to be specific, again, lots of studies, but here's my gestalt average, is the risk of violence for schizophrenia, for bipolar, or any other psychotic disorder is anywhere from between three to ten times more likely to commit a violent act. Okay. So, you know, it's pretty high. But what's the percentage? Which we'll get to in a second. But but so, you know, if you don't have a schizophrenia, bipolar, psychosis— you're at a certain rate of or likelihood of committing violence. If you have schizophrenia, bipolar psychosis, you're you're somewhere between three to ten times more likely to commit a violent act. Which you is know, quite significant. That's significant. Right. We're not talking like <clears throat> p- one point three. We're no. talking like three. Th- three. The low end is three times more likely. You know, that's that's a that's a signal in the in the data. Right. You
1: know, so like to put it in perspective. If the percentage of normal, of quote unquote normal people that committed crimes was ten percent, that would mean up to a hundred percent of the other folks.
0: So <laughs> let's do an exercise, thought exercise, Birdo, What percentage likelihood are you, Birdo, going to commit a violent act in the next month? Give me uh, and pretty if you, high, ninety nine percent. If you have to go to a you know a point zero, like actually give me a percentage.
1: All right, well because the only. In my mind, the only chance of that happening is if something horrible happened to me that made me lose control of my emotions and that would trigger me in some weird way. So uh, I'm going to go really low, like point zero zero. 1%.
0: Yeah, it's probably even lower than that probably. honestly because like out of all the months that you've lived in your life, how many times in your life have right. you actually com- committed a violent act on someone that wasn't even close to self-harm. Well, when I was in NAM, but that's the- <laughs> yeah. So okay, so we'll go uh 0.001 yeah. you said. Okay. So, if you times that by the upper end of 10 times, right. you now have a 0.01% 0. Zero zero chance of... Co- so, you compared to someone with schizophrenia. So, the average person is extremely unlikely to commit a violent act in right. any anytime soon. And when you times that extremely low likelihood by 10, you're still at a very, very low number. yeah. yeah. So, the vast majority... So, again... Uh, putting statistics into real life. Uh, other other uh, statistics here accounts for uh, so serious mental illness. According to some research, accounts for anywhere between five to fifteen percent of violent crimes. Okay, so that's a pretty big deal, right? Yeah. Now this is proportionally higher to the amount of people in our society who actually suffer from serious mental illness. But serious mental right. illness, the prevalence is you know it's not small. So, but that's still. That's still surprisingly low considering
1: that if it was 10 times greater or up to 10 times greater, likely that they're causing it. But it only accounts for for up to 15%. That means that there's all those other
0: reasons that people are committing crimes. Right, right. Uh, Okay. So another statistic here is within five years of first being diagnosed, 11% of men and 3% of women have been convicted of a violent offense. So this is just looking at Mm -hmm. convictions. And this is seven times higher than those in the general population. So within the first five years of being diagnosed with a serious mental illness like schizophrenia, 11% of men are convicted of a violent crime. Yeah, okay. you know, it's a pretty significant uh, figure there, yeah. right? And 3% of women. Uh, and that's – and actually – the three percent of women is extremely higher than the average woman of a violent crime because the, um, women are extremely unlikely to commit yeah. a violent crime. So the fact that three percent of those with schizophrenia women within five years of first being diagnosed are convicted of viol- we're not talking about committing yeah, right. or, but we're talking actually you know so when you're convicted of a violent offense there's likelihood there were other violent X, you know what I mean?
1: So the, the, like the worst thing you can do is encounter a 20 year old male who's drinking heavily
0: and has a severe mental illness and it's a full moon. Yeah. Um, and also these studies accounted for, uh, for context, you know, cause sometimes your context can create mental illness and also your context can create, um, violence. But if and you I, wear glasses, you're fine. Yeah. Right. Good joke. Um, Five times, the, uh, I won't go into that, but anyway, they accounted for that variable. Uh, okay, final little study here. Uh, people who are close to the psychotic person are at a higher risk of being harmed. As I said earlier, 87% of the time, family members or friends or people who live in the home with the person with psychosis are right. the victim of the of the violence. Wow,
1: that's crazy.
0: Sorry to use the word crazy. That's in, that's insane. <laughs>
1: that's that's uh, sad, right? Because these are the people trying to help, right? And of course, they, they end up being affected.
0: So again, another bit of context there. That if you're if you don't have someone with psychosis living in your house. Mm-hmm. The chance of you you being the victim of a violent crime by someone with a mental illness is extremely low. So when you're walking on the street and you're at Pike Place and you mm-hmm. see someone screaming, uh, the chance that they're going to turn on you is extremely low. Right. Um, having lived downtown uh, for a number of years, I would see these folks and uh, became extremely calm around them. (laughs) I'd be like, oh, that person... I'd I'd walk right next to them and nothing would happen because the chance that anyone is violent is low and the chance that someone with schizophrenia uh, would attack you is also extremely low. Um, The thing that I would tell myself is if this person is... If this person's tendency is to randomly attack strangers that walk by them on the sidewalk, they would already be in... (laughs) They'd already be locked up. I mean, what's the chance that is the day it starts. Yeah, right, yeah. So, <laughs> so uh, uh, and another thought I would have is, well, you know, at least they have an outlet. You know, they're screaming it. It's like no, that's it's a way for them to get it out. You know, if all of us did that, maybe the world would be a better place. Okay, so again, uh, the, 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 the statistic you just, you know, really want to focus on is the risk of violence for schizophrenia, bipolar psychosis is anywhere between three to ten times higher Mm -hmm. than for those without that. But that still means it's it's extremely low likelihood that anyone with schizophrenia, psychosis, bipolar will actually commit a violent crime. Again, uh, number one, the vast majority of individuals with serious mental illness are not violent. Number two, the vast majority of violence is committed by people who do not qualify for mental illness. So if you really want to be afraid of violence, target people without mental illness. Is there a... a Sorry, finish your... No, go ahead.
1: Is there a split by sex of of severe mental illness? Like is there a significant difference between the sexes?
0: Yes, I think there's a slight male tendency but but it's I think it's basically 50-50. I see. Okay. Uh, but don't quote me on that. Um, so let's just say it's 50-50. I guess that's 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 what's in my head. That's okay. what feels right to me. <laughs> so I guess what I should say is I don't know, Berto. That's a good question. Okay. I should look that up. Uh, number three, people with serious mental illness are more likely to be victims of violence than they are to commit. Right. Uh, number four, there are other factors that are much more predictive of violence, such as being young, being male, and using alcohol or drugs. Um, what's the percentage, Berto, of violent crimes in the U.S. committed by males? Don't answer that yet. Let's take a break, and then right. when we get back, we'll, we'll talk about that. Hey, everyone. Today's episode is brought to you by Talkspace. Talkspace is a, a super legit online counseling outfit that I fully endorse. I uh, know what they are up to and have looked into their practices to make sure that I am uh, you know, promoting something that I believe in and I do believe in it. I, I'm, I'm pretty close with someone who actually works there, Shannon McFarland. She trains the therapist. They they so if you're looking for online counseling, and uh, or you just you just want to experiment with it, you just want to see what it's all about, go to talkspace.com. Use the promo code Kirk. You have to use that promo code one to get your discount, and also to let them know that this advertisement worked, which means that they'll pay for more ads to be in this podcast, which means that I can uh, you know spend more time in this podcast, which means I can do more deep dives, which I've been having a lot of fun with lately. So again, go to Talkspace.com, use the promo code Kirk, and you will, I think, be set up with a therapist pretty quickly. Uh, I think that's pretty cool. So do that now, if you're interested. <laughs> All right, we're back from the break. Berto, as I asked you before the break, what's the percentage of violent crimes in the U.S. committed by males? I answered during the break. You didn't hear me? <laughs> All
1: right. Uh, okay, it's uh, percentage of uh, violent crimes committed by males in the U.S. is
0: 60%. No, 80%. 80% percent Yeah. There's two surprising bits to that for me, personally. One is, it's like, holy crap, come on, guys, knock it off. But two, it's like 20% of violent crimes are committed by women. That's true, yeah. Uh, One out of five violent crimes are committed by women. And in my head, because of the media and movies and everything, I have almost no visual of what that looks like. Right. You know? Because it's just not... It just doesn't – it's – when I think of someone punching someone, when I think of someone sure. shooting someone, when I think of someone knifing someone, when I think of someone kicking someone, I, I, I can only picture in my head a man doing those things. Right. You know what I mean? But one out of five times, it's, it's a woman. Anyway. That is true. That's... Um, number five uh, caveat, the risk of violence is not associated with the vast majority of other disorders of the DSM like anxiety, depression, et cetera. Um, okay. So serious mental illness just raises the risk. Uh, for example, as we've been talking about, most of the time when you drive to work, you don't die in a car accident, right? So, I think so. Yeah. When you drive to work or when you're driving to the store, the vast majority of the time, you do not die. That's right. Right? Mostly, yeah. And Mostly. When, and when you get in your car, you're not like... Holy shit! I have a fifty percent chance of being killed in my car. Today, Correct. <laughs> right. You're just like I'm. Just driving to work. You know. You don't even think about it. But your risk uh, of dying, and if you do get in a car, is vastly higher right, than right. if you don't drive a car. You if you have a job in which you never have to drive, and you live, you know, one block from your store, and you never drive. You just or you take the bus everywhere. The chance of you dying in a car accident is extremely low, right? People who commute who commute to work have I don't know what the stat is, but you know, let's say at least ten times more likely to die in a car accident. Yeah. But does that mean you don't drive a car to work? Right. So in the same way. Even though people with serious mental illness are three to five, ten times more likely to commit a violent act, does that mean you don't walk past that person who has schizophrenia when you're downtown? Or does that mean the schizophrenic person that you know in your family, does that mean you completely avoid them because they're going to kill you? No, it's it's actually uh, a more ridiculous question than the driving thing.
1: What if they're driving – they're a you know, 20-year-old male drunk driving <laughs> with severe mental illness, and you're their relative, their closest relative. The, the
0: universe collapses in on itself. <laughs> um, also, another thing here is uh, another stat that's kind of just to put statistics, fun with statistics, <laughs> is when you drink alcohol, you are much more likely to become violent based on statistics. So, for instance, uh, according to one study of the homicide offenders, that in the United States who killed someone uh-huh. for any reason uh not manslaughter or no homicide includes murder and manslaughter so any so any any manslaughter or murder
1: okay so like premeditated really mean or also like okay i killed this person because i i did something negligent
0: right yeah or self defense or uh i suddenly saw him in my house and shot him or something right. okay so uh, what percentage were drinking alcohol at the time?
1: Oh, interesting. I'm gonna go with thirty percent.
0: Yeah, because like, how many people are drinking at any given time? Do you think? Right. Right. So like five percent or three percent of people. Uh, well, in,
1: alcohol is pretty pervasive. But yeah. yeah. But
0: I mean, you know, people yeah. go to work. They, right. 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 Uh, they sleep. So <laughs> you know, thirty percent that'd be pretty high, right? Because you're just like, well, if you're going from 5% of people are drinking at any given time and 30% of people It's a lot higher It's them. a lot higher it's, You know 86% of homicide offenders <laughs> were drinking at the time Wow Yeah 86% But but pot's illegal in a lot of places Yes <laughs> Um, wow another statistic and again 86 probably high but one you know study found it another 42 percent of violent crimes oh my so God. this 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 includes not just homicide right. but any violent crime reported to the police involved alcohol meaning that uh, alcohol was in the police report you know, I mean the,
1: that's crazy like I'm not for banning things but but that's crazy that if you yeah. if you removed it yeah you get rid of 86 percent of the violent yeah Or the
0: homicides. Yeah. And anyone, I've been saying this for years, anyone who's against pot being uh, legal needs to uh, really look at themselves in the mirror when it comes to alcohol. Oh, yeah. Because alcohol has so many ill effects on society. Yeah.
1: Like, well, you gotta, you always gotta do the, if you're talking about health, you gotta look at cigarettes. If you're talking about like ill effects overall, you gotta look at alcohol.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. Full disclosure. Berto and I don't use cannabis, but we do drink alcohol. I
1: I eat magic cookies.
0: Don't forget. (laughs) On accident. (laughs) Listen to that episode. Uh, But anyway, so yeah, alcohol, you're much more likely to... It's much more likely to be a factor in violence. So again, just to compare, if you're afraid of someone with schizophrenia, then you should be a billion times (laughs) more afraid of anyone who drinks alcohol. Yes, But again... The cha- and again, just getting to the statistics, fun with statistics. What's the chance that any one person who drinks a drink of alcohol is going to commit a violent act? That's yeah, still low. It's very low. Yeah. But the chance, but the risk goes up. So if you, uh, uh, so let's just take you, yeah. Berto. You had a point zero zero one percent chance of committing a violent act in the next month. If we make you drink every day, oh, your your chance good. might go up to you know point. Zero five or right. something, you know, and still like, you're extremely not likely if you roll right. the dice yeah. on that bet, you're, 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 you want to bet on he's not going to commit a violent act as this, right. this, but he's much more likely. Mm-hmm. You know? Okay. So, so attending a frat party is very dangerous from what I'm hearing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, also correlation doesn't indicate causation. That's another point here. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you think I might say when I get into this talk here?
1: Well, you know, so uh, usually individuals, first of all, you can't judge an individual from the stats to start with. But second, um, it might be that the crimes committed uh, happen to – you know, you're looking at – did this person have some serious mental illness, and did they commit a crime? And those two might come out to yes, but it might not be because of the mental illness. It right. might be, be because of the stigma. It might be because of their family dynamics. It might be because of their any number of other things.
0: Exactly. If you have schizophrenia, how does society treat you? Poorly. Bad. Yeah. How does your family treat you? Probably very difficult. How difficult. does the medical system, how does the yeah. legal system, how does... Uh, the you know medicals how, how do friends how does society how does the how does the media like you are being treated like shit yeah so let's imagine a world in which we didn't do that would those numbers go down you mm, know the right. I would say yeah I mean if, if you have schizophrenia and everyone continues to love you and there's systems in place and there's support for the family and there's uh, ways of 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 really wrapping around the person and being there for them w- what's the chance that that person is going to become perturbed to the point where cuz we tend to be very linear idiots you know we're yeah. like mental illness violence mental illness causes violence you know instead of looking systemically and saying like yeah. well what's the context that mental illness and violence exists in and and looking at how other uh, systemic factors might play a role right. such as the way we treat uh, uh, people with mental illness well for example
1: it, since part of the stat is that most often the victims of the of the of the crime or whatever are family members that that right there might be one of the biggest problems is that we're having family members take care of severely mentally ill people right. when they have no capability
0: or training or, or financial or whatever to do so exactly also, another factor that might cause—so w- when we talk about correlation doesn't equal causation, what we're saying is is that these things are correlated, but they might not cause each other, and there might be another factor that is causing both of them. Yeah. So, for instance, trauma can result in a lot of different things, including mental illness and including violence, mm. right? You, If you're traumatized— you're much more likely to develop any sort of disorder can, in addition to any sort of psychosis and i would imagine that past trauma violent trauma is related to an increased incidence of violence as well so if you're so the real factor might be tra- trauma trauma not mental illness that i mean that seems to be a very com- compelling hypothesis you know
1: although someone could say that if if you could find that there's a high correlation between trauma and mental illness and between trauma and violence, then you can still use it as a marker for predicting the 3 to 10% greater...
0: Yes, in- and when we look at people... So, say, there's someone who has schizophrenia who commits a violent act, the question shouldn't be, like, how did schizophrenia cause the the act? We should say, how did trauma affect... That? Sure. It's crazy. The trauma had another effect, which happened to be schizophrenia. Yeah. Um So... Uh, you know, whenever there's a violent crime, I often think, was that person traumatized? You know, in the same way we're talking about the road rage or that dude on the airplane. Yeah. It's always like, right. what PTSD are they suffering from? Officer Yanez, you know, the Philando oh, Castile right. yeah. murderer, that, that officer, clearly suffered from PTSD. Did, when we talked about that on that yeah. episode, did you uh, get a chance to listen to... The audio that was released after yes the, uh, yes I did and 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 his audio yep and he's like so did you hear him panting oh yeah yeah so in the last episode that we did about Flando Castile, I had been listening to the podcast seventy four seconds and by that point I had only heard the audio of a different call that had nothing mm-hmm. to do with Flando Castillo was like a month or you know several weeks before the Flando Castillo moment in which he almost got ran over by a car. Right. And for like 20 minutes or something, at least 15 minutes or something, you can hear him on the audio that's captured on the dash cam, just him going, <laughs> right. He couldn't calm down. (laughs) I'm going to cough. Just trying to – yeah. (laughs) And his fellow officers, you can hear them coming up to him, going like, "Are you going to be okay?" Like, yeah. And he's like, yeah. uh, 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 uh," Like he for imagine breathing like that for fifty. You know, that's now that's not Officer Yanez's fault. The 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 man has been traumatized at some point, either on the police force or other. I would suspect actually otherwise and he has a brain uh pathway that kicks in when there is threat. Yep. And when Philando uh had said I have a gun, his PTSD kicked in. I and and I can say this fairly certainly based on cuz I've really looked into this whole thing. Uh, cuz Gianas wasn't a bad person. No. Nope. He wasn't like a, a known racist. His you know? voice did not sound threatening
1: and his His demeanor, like every every indication, was that he was what he was saying was what he meant, which is, "Hey, I'm letting you know I've got a gun."
0: Right. As opposed to like, "I've got a gun." Right. I'm gonna use it. And and Yanez has, uh, I think, no notion of like, "I'm gonna go kill black people today," or "I'm gonna go beat some black people." today. you know, it had purely to do with with his trauma. Now. Does race play a role in all this yeah, because your threat if you're a, if you have yeah. bias implicit bias against black people you're going to feel more threatened right. by black people, but it wasn't a conscious decision of like no, oh, I see okay, and it was so fast yeah. I mean you just it's like hes you know he's like he's like, sir, I have to tell you I have a gun and he's like, okay well don't take it out and then he's like reaching for his wallet and yeah. he's like, don't take it boo yeah,
1: it was I, I was that was one thing that was surprising because when we talked about it. I hadn't heard that part,
0: and afterwards I I was like, "Wait a minute! That happened in two seconds." Yeah. Well, I in that episode only had a description from the prosecutor that I was relaying, Uh, and then we and then and then so then, you know, fast, you know, the next ten or twenty minutes, uh, uh, Officer Yanez is going, "Yeah, it's back (gasps) to that." Yeah. (laughs) Uh, 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 You know, and so again, trauma is the cause is a better cause, in mm-hmm. my mind, to violent If we're going to look at mental conditions that can lead to unnecessary violence, right. I would look to trauma more than I would look to schizophrenia. Yeah. Uh, and unfortunately,
1: about, you could have imagined an outcome where they said, okay, we've uh, consulted with expert you know, psychiatrist, psychologist, and everything. And it turns out it looks like uh, the police force never diagnosed or treated Mr. Yanis for uh, what's obviously, you know, this, that, and the other thing. So we're going to find the police force and amount. And next time they have to, you know, have better programs in place. You could have imagined an outcome along those lines. And instead, sadly, it was just a nope, there's no guilt. There's, it's, up, it's over. Right. And the
0: dominant uh, discourse, which is, which is a good discourse to have is racism. Right. And yeah. Black Lives Matter yeah. and blah, 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 which is, is relevant because of yeah. the implicit bias that everyone has. In right. And there's been so many deaths and all these. Yeah. Totally. Uh, but it, the. Even notion that Officer Young has had PTSD, which is so obvious to me. I mean, of course, I can't diagnose him, but he has some sort of traumatic reaction, you know. Uh, The fact that that is completely not even on anyone's radar. And now it's not a forcing function on that police force or any police
1: force to say, ooh, okay, we better devote some money to making sure we do treat
0: these things. Because that to me would capture probably a good number of these yeah. shootings because whenever I've seen a number of these shootings on, you know, on the internet and a lot of them seem like the, the officer is, is going blank. You know, they're yeah. just, <gasps> they're, they're, they're scared. And, yeah. and, and the, the high, the more scared you are and the more traumatized you are, the more you're gonna have a behavior that you regret later. Cause I bet you Yanez totally regrets having done all that stuff, you know? Yeah. Anyway. Um, also, alcohol. When you mix alcohol with psychosis, you're even more likely to yeah, commit a crime. Can imagine. <laughs> uh, uh, but again, very low likelihood that any individual is drinking with psychosis to commit a crime. But it does raise the risk um, to some extent. Um, and some of the research would say like it's not schizophrenia; it's alcohol. But the broader research consensus is that it's both. I see. so some people are like saying it's not schizophrenia it's alcohol and then it's like well actually when you look when you look at it it's both okay, okay. so again the risk of violence is anywhere between three to ten, five, three to ten times higher for those with serious mental illness like schizophrenia and serious bipolar and other psychotic disorders and the problem is not people with mental disorders the problem is potentially trauma so how can we reduce if we really want to address this right. um, how can we reduce trauma for children? But the other thing here that we haven't talked about is proper treatment. Most acts of violence committed by individuals with serious mental illness are carried out when they are not being treated. Hmm. So think about that. So you have like, uh, you know, however, tens of thousands, millions of people with schizophrenia and other psychotic disorders, the the ones that are not being treated – are right. the ones who are very likely to commit violent acts, so again it 's not the mental illness right it's it 's w- the things that happen to you from being isolated and alone and, and no one is there to help and and the desperation that might start to kick in or the yeah. the symptoms that f- spin out of control
1: well, I wonder if that 's where that 's somewhere where socioeconomic does play a role because I would imagine people with lower resources don't have access, well, first of all, may not even consider the idea of like, oh, I think we need to go to therapy, like send this person to therapy or, or send
0: them to get diagnosed, all these things. And plus, they might not have the money or the insurance or, or whatever. Absolutely. Some research shows that when people with a serious mental illness are receiving effective treatment, they are no more likely to commit a violent act than mm. anyone else. It's, it's not... That's not necessarily the consensus, but there's there's some studies that see that show that look, if you if you have a serious mental illness and you're getting properly treated, you're actually no more likely to commit a violent act. So it's not the the psycho- the psychosis that's the problem, it's the fact that our society is so stupid mm, and doesn't yeah. allocate the funds. Right. We're it's our fault. <laughs> yeah. um, so the main factors are Uh, when you're talking about actual individuals with psychosis in in the proper treatment realm, is making sure that they are aware of their issue, making sure that you have an early intervention. Because a lot of the violent acts occur in that first episodic period before they get treatment and before they even know that they have a problem. So Mm. it, it becomes very important that there's awareness in general in our society so that family members and even individuals will know to reach out right. and, know, and know where to go, and that there are services that will kick in very,
1: very quickly. It's probably pretty common that they go ahead and commit that first act of violence, and then they
0: start getting treatment. Right. So, conclusion. Severe mental illness seems to be a risk factor in violent behavior um, in, in, for mainly psychotic uh, disorders. Right. Right. But the overall chance of someone with mental illness will, ha- will harm you is extremely low. Like I said, you're much more likely to die in a car accident than you are to be harmed by someone with mental illness and, and that kind of stuff. Uh, most killing sprees are committed by people without a serious mental illness. Most violent acts are, cre- are committed by people without a serious mental illness. Um, so uh, the other thing that I want to, really just put a fine point on is that we are to blame for this problem right the 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 serious mental illness risk factor can be almost pot- potentially completely mitigated if not mostly mitigated by reducing stigma increasing access to treatment increasing the effectiveness of treatment increasing compliance with treatment and these efforts are the you know of of awareness and increasing treatment these efforts are hindered by the stereotype that psychotic people are violent. Yeah. You know, the, the notion that psychotic people are violent uh, creates this, this, this vicious cycle that stigmatizes it and keeps us stupid and unaware of what we should be doing. So Ugh. we don't do anything, which leaves people untreated yeah. you know, and we sort of ostracize them. And, and marginalize them in society, which they don't get access to treatment, which makes them more likely to commit a violent crime. And every time that happens, we highlight it in the news, which causes <laughs> more stigma and blah, 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 blah. Yep. So we're all, we're all culpable of that. So when you encounter someone with a mental illness, try not to worry because it's extremely unlikely that they're going to be dangerous. And there are many other things you should be worrying about, like washing your hands during flu season. And let's all do what we can to reduce st- stigma of mental illness. Um, again, 50% of Americans will qualify for a disorder at some point in their life. Uh, having a mental illness is... Uh, so I was trying to think of what other thing half of Americans have or, right. or, or do or something. It a do, penis. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what's another thing? Uh, well, you know, maybe uh, getting a divorce Uh, No, I think it's a little lower than 50%? 50% of, well, anyway. wearing. But that's not even all Americans because they don't all get married either. Right. Wearing lenses.
1: Oh, yeah. So wearing
0: wearing glasses. About half of Americans wear contacts or need some sort of corrective lens to to live in the world. Yeah. Uh, And so how many people do you know wear glasses or contacts? I wear contacts. I wear contacts. (laughs) Yeah. That's as many people, that's a rough estimate of the amount of people that you also know that, that will suffer from a mental disorder at some point in their life. Yikes. Yeah. So it's, it's 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 the rule, not the not the exception. Yeah. All right. Well, let us know what you think. If you want, you can contact us by emailing us at contact at com. Again, go to patreon.com, become a patron of the podcast. And... Everyone, please take care of yourself because you deserve it. Hey, deserving listeners, today's episode, today's episode, today's episode is brought to you by Talkspace, which is an online counseling outfit that I fully endorse. I've looked into their practices and really wanted to make sure that I was promoting something that I can get behind, and I can definitely get behind this online counseling service. They make sure that their therapists are fully licensed, they train them in online counseling, the price is is pretty affordable and reasonable. If you use the promo code Kirk, you actually get a discount. Also, uh, when you use the promo code Kirk, it signals to Talkspace that this advertisement works, which means that they'll want to sponsor more episodes, which means that everyone wins. So, if you're if you're interested in online counseling, or if you're just even just looking for someone to chat with every day, because this is on uh, Talkspace, you you get contact with your therapist every day, which is pretty cool, right? So go to Talkspace, use the promo code Kirk and get your discount and start your online counseling experience today. (laughs) Do it if you're you're interested. I think think it's pretty cool. I mean, if you're on the fence, again, just just give it a try and see if it's for you. Maybe it's not for you. But if it is for you, I I think it's a a pretty cool service, pretty convenient. You can do it from anywhere, right? And again, you have have contact with your therapist every day. Pretty cool. All right. End of commercial.
1: (music) End of commercial.